Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Soul Focus Radio. This is your host, Dustin. I'm here with our brother, Madi. What's up, Madi? Oh, uh, everything. Glad to be here. Glad to have the gift and to be able to use it. Thank you all for listening and uh, look forward to uh, unpeeling some things so we can see a little closer on what's at the core of what's driving us, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, if our listeners, if you all remember in our last podcast, one of the things that uh, we illuminated was the need for us to move from just being problem focused to start to look at what can we create? How do we start to create the world, the lives that we want to experience? And, you know, Madi, I, I really want to spend uh, the bulk of the time in this podcast in that in that realm. And so, you know, Madi, one of the challenges that I experienced over my 20 some years of anti-racist organizing, educating is that it was so first it was hard to get myself to move beyond the the addiction to the problem. You know, I, I would get amped talking about the problem and always reacting to the problem. And as I started to, you know, as I experienced life coaching with you and began to grow spiritually and started to look move my thinking towards solutions, it was really hard to get my comrades and colleagues and people that I was organizing with to really start to think about what can we create. And so in that realm, Mahdi, I want you to talk more about the power that we have to create the world, the lives, the reality that we say we want to experience. Hmm. Those are a lot of good uh, topics and um when I think about creation, I think about the idea of definition, defining things, because creation happens in the redefining of your reality. No one is going to be able to create a reality that they desire unless they redefine the materials that are in the reality now. In other words, if you look out into the world or you go into any society, you will see some of the exact same materials, basic materials in the universe being utilized to make the things that you see. But everybody does not create the same outcomes out of the materials. It's like, So you go to one culture and one culture will take the materials or elements of society or elements in the universe and they will make something totally different from another community, another hmm. culture. Hmm. So creation actually begins, understanding creation is about understanding the idea of utilizing materials that are already present, that are there to be shaped and molded into something different than uh, they were shaped into them and molded into before. Like when you reach the end of a society and you know you've maximized the potential of the ideas in that society, how do you know that? You know that because the society becomes inundated by problems on every hand, right? So in a lot of ways we've exhausted and what we have to do is redefine our reality. Every every man or woman is is obligated to redefine their reality when the reality that they're living in no longer works to serve them or to serve their best interests. So creation starts in the mind and it starts in the definition of things, how you define things. It is, it is incumbent upon each of us in our lives to look at what definitions we have been living by that have limited us from reaching our full potential. Hmm. So when we look at, for example, the story of Adam and Eve and the fact that in that biblical 
analogy or metaphor, allegory, they, it, is, it is said that Adam and Eve are given dominion over everything. Uh, but we, there's a part in there that we miss that is extremely important, and that is they were given the responsibility of naming everything. Now, naming is an extremely important role of creation. If you don't name a thing, you don't create a thing. It is in the name that a thing is created. Hmm. And, I, I, and it's important that you hear that. It's in the name that a thing is created. When you name a thing, that thing begins to begins to act and function according to the name that has been given. So every definition is like a name. You are giving purpose. You are giving destination. You are giving uh, the measurement by which you're going to measure the performance of that thing. All of that is in the definition. So to create a new reality, we have to redefine. We have to look at what we see certain things to be that this world, like, for example, how, let's say, black people have been defined throughout the years in this country have been based upon the white man's definition of us. So as long as we have lived in that definition, we have lived under that dominion. Mm -hmm. Every definition has dominion over Mm -hmm. that thing. So as long as we are living under the 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 parameters of the meaning that has been assigned to us by someone else, we are under their dominion. So you cannot get into the act of creation until you get from underneath the dominion of someone else. Hmm. Having the relationship that we've had through this time, through racism, sexism, you know, patriarchy, classism, all of that stuff, those are the results of agreements that we've made because we have into into functioning under the definitions that they have given to us of who we are. So if you remember when we uh, would talk about internalized racial oppression, uh, at, when we were working along with the People's Institute, the definition they would always use is says that uh, internalized oppression inferiority is a definition given to self by your oppressor as being less than human based on your race. So what essentially is saying is any definition given to you by someone else of who you are, that you accept as who you are, becomes a, a means of oppression because it becomes a mean of dominion where you are constantly trying to prove something to them or constantly trying to either prove that you are exactly who they say you are or prove that you are not who they say you are. Right. right. Either way it go, you are stuck in the the centrifugal force of that dominion of that definition. So if I try to prove I'm not a nigger and I'm spending all my time still in the dominion of that definition, if I'm trying to prove that I am still spending all of my time, I'm not, I'm not in the realm. I'm not even in the position to create anything because all of my energy is being sucked into that definition. When my freedom can only come with me, freeing myself from that dominion and putting myself under a new dominion, my own dominion. Every man or mind must put himself or herself under their own dominion. If you want to be free, that means you got to define yourself. You got to tell the world who you are versus the world telling you who you are. Mm -hmm. So as long as we're looking for the world to give us a a definition, who, who do you say I am? 
hell with that. I know who I am. Right, right. I know who I am and I define who I am. So I live under my own dominion. And people don't realize just how powerful it is, but that is the beginning of creation. First, you got to create your own dominion. And so, my dear, as you say that, and I want to do a two-part question, but I want to start, go back to self, since we've been spending so much time talking about self-solidarity. And so, we think about dominion and everything that you just laid out. Can you share a little bit, and as we talked about programming in our in our previous podcast, can you share how you worked yourself out of programming and began to take dominion of your life and creating the life that you wanted to experience? And really, if you could touch on what were you experiencing? when you were under the spell of the program and as you move towards creating your own dominion and being in your power, what did you begin to experience? So, Cause I want the listeners to be able to feel it and touch, touch it. Cause as they hear our stories, your story shines a light in terms of where they can go as well. Right. What I felt in the experience was depression, almost total darkness, the pain of believing that you're not going to fulfill your dreams, that, Whatever reason why you thought you were here, you wasting your time even being here. And how life occurs to you when you think that your life was a waste of time is very painful. And there's very little light in it, even though you may have to function to survive. So you function to survive. You smile a lot in front of other people. You laugh at jokes that are not funny. You are constantly altering who you naturally are to please other people. You find yourself drifting into competition. Just, it's just things that you do to try to give yourself meaning because you don't believe or you don't, you've lost sight of your original meaning. So when I was five years old, I knew what I was born to do. I knew who I was. But not too long after that, the environment, the programming, the dominion of the definitions being applied to me and being applied to people like me got the best of me because I became enchanted, hypnotized by the dominion of this world. And the dominion of this world can look so powerful and so menacing that your mind will submit because your mind hasn't become powerful enough as a child to be able to take on that dominion. So every mind comes into this world having its own dominion. At five years old, I had my own dominion. I felt powerful. I felt unstoppable. I I felt that I could create any possibility that I wanted for myself. And I saw myself teaching millions of people because I saw that in myself. And then not too long after, as I said to you before, the dominion of the world and the definitions that I was being taught in school and society and hearing uh, even people that look like me say what we were and what we weren't. And I started thinking, damn, I'm not going to be able to make a difference here. There's nothing I'm going to be able to do to change any of this reality. Now, I remember what brought that really home for me because I didn't hear something that my my great-grandmother said that I didn't hear till I got older. But it was she did say it when it happened, but she used to do this prayer service every Wednesday night at her house. And she'd round up all of the grandkids in the family. And she would sing a spiritual, you know, near my God to thee was a spiritual she would love to sing, pluck a guitar. And when she would get through singing it, she would get one of us to read a scripture. And then she would go around the circle and she would point at each one of us and she would ask, are you the one? Are you the one? 
Are you the one? And I remember the first time she asked me that, I asked her, the one to do what? And she said, the one to make a difference for your people. Now, I took that to heart, but I didn't hear her ask everybody else. Hmm. I only heard her ask me. Hmm. And so I took it upon myself that I was going to be doing this by myself. And I, when I looked at that job, I was like, shit, there's no way in the world. <laughs> Right. So and that sent me into a deep depression because I was so it, I was so one. I was so much in harmony with what I was born to do at five, at six years old. And then when I when when she said that and all I heard her say was I was responsible for this. And I looked out into the world. I had no idea how I was going to do this. I knew I couldn't do it alone. I wanted to leave then. I said, I had accepted failure. I accepted it. By, by the time I reached eight years old, I was already in depression because I had accepted failure, that I came into this world and I failed to do what God had sent me to do or what I asked God to come into the world to do at this particular time. And so I would find myself hurtling into darkness inside my mind. It's like in some space movie where an astronaut is just floating out of space into nothingness, trying to find my way back to myself, to my original agreement, trying to find my way back. And it wasn't until I got older till I, I heard the other thing that I didn't hear at that, that time, and that was she asked everybody in the room. Hmm. Hmm. And that meant that, you know, uh, it, it, could, it could have been another room. She could have asked everybody in that room. Right. Because all of us come in here with something to contribute to the recreation, uh, redefining of this world. And so I had to learn to work with people in order to restore my solidarity with myself. So to restore my solidarity with myself, I had to see that it was possible for people to work together to do what they each came into this world to do, like a puzzle. We all fit with one another. You know, uh, one piece of the puzzle don't make the puzzle, but how we've been socialized in this society is to see the one man leadership. And so we constantly right. wanted to lift one person up. Right. One puzzle piece does not make a picture, a whole picture. Right. So what we've had to learn to do, and we're learning to do even more now, is to connect our solidarity to the solidarity of others. See, because our solidarity is really in our purpose or our gift, our natural expression. That is our solidarity. That's, in other words, that is our commitment to the universe. So when we mm -hmm. alter our natural expression, we alter our solidarity. We fall out of solidarity. Any time that we are, you know, holding our natural expression back, suppressing it, changing it to please other people, we are breaking our agreement. We are stepping out of solidarity because everything in the universe is working in favor of our purpose. It's working in favor of our gift. It's working in favor of our natural expression. It's all synchronized together. So there's nothing that the universe wants more than for us to succeed. So imagine that we have been taught in this world by the definitions, by the dominion of this world, that that is not true, that they are enemies. People are trying to destroy you. That's why we got to stop even talking about other folks as enemies, other folks as opposers, because the reality is no one can oppose you because the whole entire universe is on your side. The mm. problem has been we have not been on our side. Self-solidarity is when we become 100% on our side and we join the universe. <laughs> mm. 
and we join the universe. So, so, so my dear, you just said something. And I need you to say it again, that nobody can oppose us. Say that again. Speak to that a little bit more because I want everybody to hear that because that is counterintuitive to the programming of this world. Heavily counterintuitive. Right. I remember something that my teacher, when I was going through my training, brother, uh, Master Wali Muhammad would, t- would tell us, it was like nine of us in the class. And he would say to us that it's going to come a day when there would be no enemy to point to. There would be no outward enemy to point to. He said, up until this point, we have been moving based upon enemies. When someone has rose up against us, we have pointed to like the Ku Klux Klan and things like that. And that has become the motivation to make us move. He said, but one day you won't have an enemy to point to uh, because you will have to move yourself based upon your pure desires. Mm. Right. And when you understand that, that the whole entire universe is working in your favor, the only problem is you have not been working in your favor. Then you have to ask yourself, how did I stop working in my favor? One of the ways we stop working in our favor is we think that there's we see ourselves or we see someone else as being an enemy that we have to fight against. And then what that does, that causes us to put attention on them rather than putting attention on ourselves to see how we function and how to get the best out of our uh, talent, skills, abilities and power. So. Enemies have been a distraction to the mind. You know, because the only enemy is inside. And when I'm not saying that you are an enemy to yourself, what I'm saying is when your thoughts are not in perfect alignment with what you desire for yourself, your thoughts are imposing upon you. They're enemies to you. But that's what that's the only the only enemy if there is one. So I would say distraction would be that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it show you how how powerful distraction is. Uh you could be with yourself 24 hours a day. Not could be. You are with yourself 24 hours a day. Everybody listening to this podcast, you have been with yourself 24 hours a day for as long as you've been on this in this world. Now, if you look at the reality that a person, uh, if I say to you that I'm going I'm to give you a test at 20, but you can have 20 years to study for the test. What kind of grade would you expect me to make on that test if I got 20 years to study for the test? And you studying it 24 hours a day. <laughs> I would hope you would get an A plus. Man, a hundred, right? Yeah. Now, what about 30 years? What about 40 years? What about 50 years? What about 60 years? 24 hours a day, 60 years with yourself. And at the end of the 60 years, I'm going to stand and administer the test. And here's going to be what the test is going to ask you. Three simple questions. Who are you? Why are you here? And what will it take to make you happy? Hmm. Now, if we had, if we started administering that test, if that was a test, a key test to getting into the next higher level of frequency, the next vibrational level, most people would never get there. Because here's a testament to distraction. Distraction is so powerful that it allows you to be with yourself 24 hours a day and you come out 20, 30, and 40, 50, 60 years and are not able to answer those three questions. Hmm. That's hmm. the power of distraction. We could be left with ourselves and we still don't discover ourselves when the most powerful and important tool that we have in this world is ourselves. And if we don't get ourselves to work right or work the way we want ourselves to work on our behalf, it don't matter who's opposing you. 
because you already opposing yourself. They don't have to do. They don't have to do nothing. Right. Right. Why would anybody have to create an outside enemy when you're doing a damn good job already? Right. Right. You know, so I say this, and I'm going to say this, and I'm turning back over to you, the idea of being woke, right? People say, you don't hear that much anymore, right? But people used to talk about it all the time, woke, 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 woke. Well, here's the true measure of being woke. When you can get yourself to do what you want yourself to do, when you want yourself to do it, you woke. Mm-hmm. Until you're able to get yourself to do what you want yourself to do, you're not woke. You sleep. Wow. Wow. Well, well, Madi, we're we're getting towards the end of this this uh, session together, but I, I do want to ask you this question. One of the things we talk about in twelve step recovery, as you go through recovery and you begin to recover your life, there are gifts that come from the journey. And so, so as you talked about reestablishing the dominion over your life and moving from the depression and everything else you spoke to, what were some of the gifts you began to receive? Oh, wow. I began, the first gift I received was peace. A peace came over me where Beautiful. what I used to be worried about, I stopped worrying. Another that came up, uh, another gift was a, a, a deep sense of joy. And that no matter what happened, I knew I was going to be all right. And I knew that those around me were going to be all right. You know, so that a peace and a joy, and more important, a good, clear understanding of who I am. And the greatest gift I had was coming to the realization that I had to accept full and complete responsibility for my gift. Hmm. Because one of the things that I experienced when I, you know, I talked about what happened with my grandmother when she told me that and how I, you know, started drifting into this abyss of darkness, I became afraid of my gift. So I knew I had the ability to teach people and to open people's minds up to realities that, you know, that are necessary for them to get to in order for them to reclaim dominion over their life. I became afraid of my gift. So I unconsciously or subconsciously did not embrace or accept full responsibility for it. Mm. So one of the greatest gifts was that I accepted full responsibility for the gift that I am. Wow. Beautiful. Beautiful. And, you know, just like the gift that you are. So we, all of us are nothing but presence. Right. You know, but most of us don't see that we are presence. Imagine if you see yourself as a present, Mm -hmm. you see yourself as a gift, you treat yourself as a gift. You're excited about unwrapping the gift. Your life Mm -hmm. is all about your gift. Shoo, that's a beautiful life. Mm. And w- what I love about this conversation for all our listeners, every single thing that Mahdi just shared is available for every single one of us. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, brother, for again sharing thank your you, wisdom. Brother. Thank you, Dustin. And listeners, thank you for, for being with us. We're excited that you're part of our family and you're enjoying and learning and experiencing these podcasts in a beautiful way. Uh, we look forward to, uh, connecting with you on our next podcast. Stay with us. We love you and hope to see you all in person soon once we get off of this quarantine. Thank you, bro. Well, thank you, brother.